Hey, this is Nathan Quiver. I'm the creator and producer of Isolation, and you are listening to The Graveyard Show. Welcome to another edition of the Graveyard Show podcast. I am your caretaker, and the graveyard is open. Well, I hope all of you had a great Halloween. Did you get some treats? Um, Maybe some of you had Halloween parties. Uh, Maybe uh, others uh, just watched a bunch of movies. Uh, We here at the graveyard had uh, a movie uh, viewing. Um, It was uh, a film called Deathbed. The Bed That Eats People, uh, a movie that I'd never seen before, surprisingly, uh, came out in 1977. And as someone <laughs> someone <laughs> said, uh, this movie came out the same year as Star Wars. Now, if you've seen Deathbed, you get it, right? Um, it's an interesting film. Let's put it that way. Uh, part horror movie, part uh, art house film. It's incredibly strange. Um, but uh, if you're interested in checking it out, uh, it is available uh, out there to rent. Um, I think uh, I think I rented it off of uh, Amazon, um, so it is available to get. And uh, if you do see it, or if you have seen it, uh, I would love to get your thoughts uh, on the film uh, as well. It's <laughs> it's interesting, and yes, it is a bed that does actually eat people. Um, but anyway, uh, well, uh, Halloween is now in the rearview mirror as we now head into the month of November. And of course, here in the United States, uh, that means Thanksgiving uh, towards the end of the month, which of course leads into Black Friday. Uh, speaking of Black Friday, uh, did you see the trailer for the new horror comedy film Black Friday? Well, it is out. Uh, the film stars uh, Devin Sawa, uh, Michael Jai White, and uh, Bruce Campbell. Definitely check it out. It looks incredibly promising, and it looks like it's a lot of fun. Um, and um, if you watch the trailer, uh, keep a lookout around the minute 30 mark for a cameo uh, that pops in. Uh, which was very unexpected. Uh, would love to get your thoughts on that as well. Uh, speaking of which, uh, you can reach me at uh, the email address gyspodcast at gmail.com. That's gyspodcast at gmail.com, uh, where you can send me your thoughts, comments, uh, and if you're part of the horror community and you have something to promote, please do not hesitate to reach out uh, as well. All right. Well, as you heard at the top of the show, uh, producer Nathan Crooker is going to be joining me in just a moment to talk about his new film, Isolation, that he uh, not only produced, but uh, also created the concept for this anthology film. So I'm going to get into that in just a minute. Uh, On the other side, uh, I will um, talk to you about December, uh, what you can expect from the Graveyard Show podcast, and what latest graveyard show classics you can expect to hear as well but in the meantime as you hear in the background a new grave is being added and when that happens that means my guest is here and it's time for me to get to work Nathan Crooker is the producer and creator of the film Isolation, which is an anthology film that takes place many months into the future that is based around the current global pandemic. Uh, Isolation is currently available on VOD, and it's my pleasure to welcome Nathan to the graveyard. Nathan, welcome to the show. 
I'm very happy to be in the graveyard with you. Thank you for having me. Well, it is awesome having you here. Um, I gave, obviously, a very brief uh, summary of the film. Uh, the film is directed by 11 directors who tell nine different stories. Um, so tell me, how did you come up with the idea for the film? So it was kind of um, out of necessity for not going mad during the, uh, the pandemic because I originally was supposed to do my first feature, and obviously because of what happened, the money got pulled, and I was speaking to a good friend of mine, Phil Eisler, who was the composer for um, the beginning and end credits for the movie. Um, been friends for years, and I was like, hey man, I think I just might, you know, do a short just to, you know, do something so I don't go crazy. And he's like, well, why don't you think bigger? Who knows how long we're going to be in this thing? And, you know, you've got nothing but time. And one day I got out of the shower and I was like, you know what? I couldn't write a feature, you know, in a couple of months that would be all that great that would be, you know, geared around shooting at the home during the pandemic. But I bet I could get a bunch of really talented filmmakers to write about a bunch of shorts. And together we could craft something that's like, five to 15 minutes, you know, it's a little bit easier than trying to write 90 or so pages. So I was, I, I called up a buddy of mine who I wanted to help produce and I said, Hey, I got this crazy idea. You want to do like an, an, an anthology shot around the world with this idea that, you know, there's a virus in the background of these stories about people being isolated and, and struggling to survive. And he's like, yeah, sure. Let's do it. And um, so then it just became finding the right directors uh, to, to take on the project, which was, um, one of the biggest challenges, to be honest, because I sort of had asked everyone to, um, I, they had a shoot in, on a 4K camera, they couldn't shoot on their phone, they couldn't shoot on Zoom, um, that they had to shoot within the, their lockdown, they had to shoot with the people that were in their lockdown. There was a lot of stipulations at the time, I, don't, I think people might be forgetting just how sort of nerve-wracking and uh, how much of the unknown was still out there um, during April of, uh, of that year. Um, it, it came down to me speaking to probably, I probably spoke to about 30 to 40 people a day for about, I don't know, two months, whether it be on the phone, Facebook, Instagram, just reaching out to bigger directors too that I, I kind of idolized that I actually got to speak with. Um, sadly, they weren't able to do it because they didn't have um, the gear, but that sort of, that was the genesis of it. And finally, I started to pick away at it, finding, you know, I think Larry came, Larry President came on first, and I kind of gave him the spiel. I'm like, this is the world I'm creating. Let's like, talk about the script. What are the ideas? And then, you know, slowly but surely, I found my other um, uh, 11 directors. So that's kind of the, the genesis of it, if you will. So um, anthology films can be, can be tricky um, especially mm -hmm. when, when you have a theme that's kind of tied together, was there a concern that you might have had either too many stories or maybe not even enough stories for the film? Yeah, it's, it, was, it was tough because, you know, you're asking somebody to, to put some trust. Nobody knew who anybody was. I, I, I've met Larry before just because I'm a New Yorker, but, you know, everyone else, I've never met them. And we never met in real life until we actually had the screening uh, a year and a half later at Fright Fest. So it was all through Zoom and phone calls. So, you know, the, the directors put their trust in someone they didn't know. I guess my IMD page, uh, IMDb page spoke enough that they could trust me. Um, but I had reached out to a lot of people and... I was concerned we were going to have too many. Um, that was my biggest concern. And then, you know, it kind of broke my heart to be that I was going to have to pull some films from the actual, you know, from who I had asked. And I didn't want to upset anyone. But lo and behold, it all sort of like worked itself out. There were some that had to, that sort of dropped out for their own reasons and have become like really successful shorts on their own. And there were others that, you know, really just didn't fit the vibe of, 
our story or sort of the, you know, they, they didn't gel well with the rest of the story. So a couple of them just had to go to the, the it wasn't, the connective tissue was just too strange. Um, so no, it was, it was more, and then it just really became about like, what order we put these in? So it feels, you know, like you're on this little bit of a roller coaster and you're not bored or you're not like, you know, just to get too much thrown at you. Like, how do we spread this out? So there's a, it feels like a really good variety of story. You know what I mean? So that, that it became less about like how many I had and then it became more about like, okay, now what order do I put them in? So that this is a really seamless film and you get the most bang for your buck. Um, I'm sure too, um, the time for each film, I mean, you're talking nine movies. So you figure on average, if you're talking 10 minutes a movie, that's, you know, an hour and a half right off the top without, you know, any credits or anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, was there concern that maybe either the films would come in too short or maybe they did come in too short or maybe too long? How, how did you work that out in terms of timing each of the small, uh, each of the segments? Well, first off, I was like, look, nobody, everybody, this is the, the you got five to 15 minutes. That's it. It doesn't, it's not, I guess it could be shorter, but I, I, I didn't want, really want it to be shorter. So I said, the scripts need to be five to 15 minutes. So I had all the scripts prior, obviously, to anybody going to shoot. And we tail, tailored those stories. And then we sort of tailored the page count, um, you know, minute a page. So um, I kind of knew going into it how long the film would be. Um, some of them, obviously, in the edit, um, they got a little bit bigger, and then we scaled them back. And some of the ones are a little bit longer. You know, some of the stories, you know, some stuff didn't work, some stuff did work, and others. So at the end of the day, I sort of knew how long it was going to be, and then I sort of let the uh, the, the, the actual films when they were finished sort of dictate that. You know, so like I said, some of them we pulled back on because some stuff didn't work. Others that were shorter became a little bit longer because we wanted to let other things play out. But I always knew it would sort of live in this, like, you know, the world that was in right now, like the 144 world or something like that. You know what I mean? Just yeah. because, you know, we already knew that the, that, you know, the page count and everything was there and we had spoken about it. And like I said, I really wanted to give the directors a lot of room to play with their story. So, um, yeah, I kind of knew going into that, but yeah, it, it was, there was a point where it was like, man, I, this, this James and I were talking about like, man, this, this cannot be like two and a half, like a, no offense to ABC to death, but once you start watching something that's over like two hours, to me, I'm like, you, you lost me. So <laughs> I didn't want to do that. <laughs> yeah, especially with, again with anthology films, it's a very, it's a very specific t- style of film. And yeah, it can get, you know, if you're talking hour and 50, two hours with those, you kind of go, well, when are we ending here? I mean, how many more, right. how many more do we have? Yeah, each one feels like a new ending. You know, like, you know, in that movie that ends like five times, you're like, oh my God, I thought this was over. <laughs> you, know, you don't want that. And, and that's the funny thing about our film is, you know, we, we shot everything. And then, um, Zach and I, he was the producer on, on Bobby Rose, um, uh, uh, Pacific Northwest we were talking about it and it sort of ended a little ambiguously in the movie um, which it still does but <clears throat> that button that we added which I won't give it away but that came like months it was all done like the movie was done and it was color corrected and everything you know scored and we were talking about and I, I don't know what Zach brought something up and then um, I had to go back to Bobby and I said hey man I need you to do something. Let's all get on this phone call. So we crafted that sort of last bit um, probably 12 months later. And I don't want to give it away, but you know what I'm talking about. Wow. Well, let me, let me ask you this. Uh, You have, you have a background as a director. Um, Did you ever consider directing a story uh, in this as well? Or was producing it just a lot to undertake? it pained me in many, many ways as the movie started to come in that I wasn't doing one. Um, but 
I was best served as the producer. I wrote a script. I shot a bunch of stuff for it. And then, you know, you're working with 11 different directors. Again, there's nine stories, 11 directors, because two, um, two of them are teams, so they work together. But, you know, I'm working on different time zones all over the world. And it became such a big undertaking that I was like, look, if I don't give this thing 120% as a producer, executive producer on this thing, I, I, wouldn't, I won't be able to sleep right. I won't be able to put this out knowing that I did my very, very best to make this film and give my attention to these directors and, and for the people that are paying to watch it, you know, to get the most out of it. I was also trying to do a movie as well. So I sort of throttled back on that. I said, like, you know what? I'm best suited to produce this film, to make sure like everything goes off without a hitch and that we get like, you know, the, the, the edits are the best, the stories are the best and find, you know, those, you know, one of the big things that I had to do aside from working with the directors was sort of deal with the interstitials, the sort of those veins that creep across the, uh, the map and then sort of like you pop into the city names. And, you know, I, I went through many, many, many different um, houses to find someone to do those effects. Um, so that was a, a, a process in and of itself. But yeah, there's a lot of, like, my mom's like, well, why didn't you do it? I was like, oh, please, it hurts. Don't say that. But now <laughs> I look at the movie, you know, when we premiered at Fright Fest, and I have the directors there watching it and myself. And it's like, man, I know I've, I'm 100 made the right decision. You know what I mean? I'm like, I look at this as like, it's my baby. I made 11 new friends. And, you know, together we, we came together and just made this insane film that, you know, to me, you know, the quality of the filmmaking, the quality of the way it looks, it's like, it's super high-end. It's as if it wasn't shot during, during the pandemic. It's as if we shot it, you know, pre-pandemic. And that's what I wanted. I want visuals that when you were watching that were like, not only these are incredible, but how did they do this? You know, how did they, you know, because a lot of that stuff was being shot on an iPhone or your like major Hollywood studios that, you know, paid a bajillion dollars to lock these people in and had cameras anyway. But, you know, that was really something that I, I really wanted to, to push. So... Anyway, yeah, as the producer, it was just me, that script, I don't know, maybe you'll see it, uh, maybe I'll rewrite it for another, into a feature, maybe I'll put it in someone else's anthology. <laughs> well, did, did, did I, did I notice it, or did I see that your name was uh, on uh, credits for editor as well, for a couple of the... Yeah. So you took yeah, so on I, editing on top of producing. <laughs> That's yeah, a lot. You know, it was a lot. I mean, look, you know, you're working with some people, you know... It was, it was hard. So a lot of, a lot of things like, you know, there's some, you know, there were a lot of effects in some of the movies that, you know, all of a sudden, you know, certain places, the lockdown became a lot stricter and, you know, the people that were, they couldn't get the files to certain people. So, you know, I got the files and I had to go and, and figure that out like for them, you know, and there was like times when, yeah, I had to do some re-edits um, on some of the movies and I also had to edit the actual, the, to- the total film itself. So it, it really came down to me you know, how can I best help the directors in these stories? And so that would, that's what I was there for, you know? So if I yeah. had to help with a, a, get it on a story, like, okay, let's, let's do it. You know, if I had to find the uh, effects house to create, you know, uh, to help with the, the burning of a leg or something like that, with the smoke in certain scenes or all this other stuff, you know, it, it was it was something that, you know, I had to take on. And we needed to finish these movies. And, you know, they, they, it was a big undertaking for them in general. I mean, you're shooting, no matter, it's funny, because if you look at the credits of Isolation, it's like they're, they're, a, they're a quarter of a page long for, for each movie. <laughs> like the names get repeated so often, you know. And I think, I don't think people realize just how hard it is to shoot 
a short film in general, let alone do it with three people or four people. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, I know. I know. I mean, I I, I come from that world. And I remember just just as a film student, um, you know, getting out there and being like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go shoot my, you know, Super 8 movie. And it's like, oh, I'm doing this with two people. But wait, this is (laughs) this is this isn't fair. I need I need by yourself. Exactly. The camera and you the acting and it's like it's insane. It it (laughs) really is. I didn't have a. uh, what do you want? Some of them didn't have some. Like Bobby and, and Pacific Northwest for the kids, they ADR'd the whole thing later with the kids. Oh, wow. You know what? I didn't even catch that. That was really mm-hmm. well done. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. wow. Well, you know, I'm going to I'm gonna get into the, uh, a little bit about the movie uh, without giving the stories away too much in a minute. Um, really quickly, though, I mean, this film is uh, a global movie. I mean, you have uh, obviously a lot of the uh, stories take place here in the United States, but you also have one in, in, in the UK, in London. You have one in Berlin. Um, I mean, as far as logistically goes, when you were coming together and putting this together, did you have all the filmmakers on a Zoom call or on a video call at the same time or... How how was that putting that together when when and and reaching out to these people? Well, we actually had a we had a couple other ones too. Like I said, like we had this um, guy named George, his name was his name was Georgie and he's from Georgia and he was shooting this amazing script and then he got he got his equipment taken away from him so he couldn't finish his movie and Ooh. you know there was another one in Canada that some other stuff happened and and and, and, and didn't pan out in that way but you know I didn't nobody I put. There were certain filmmakers that I put in contact because they needed to um, speak with each other because of how their stories connected. But I kept everybody pretty separate for the majority of, of the of the time we did it. I literally would James and I would just talk to them separately over Zoom or you know email or whatever. And then sometimes I, I would give out the email address of another person so the you know the two people could talk in the UK and in um, San Diego so they could figure out um, what they wanted to do with the image or what they wanted to say about the film. Because I also like you're you're you're, you're allowing these directors and you're telling them, hey, put this in there to make it connect. And I wanted them to write the audio. I mean, you know, the dialogue for how it would connect back to somewhere else. So I let those them sort of talk about that. Um, but they didn't like I said, nobody met anybody. They were all on emails together, and nobody met anyone until, and nobody even saw the movie because I was like, okay, now it's not coming out. But we originally were going to like do the movie, you know, shoot it, cut it, put it all out while we're still in lockdown, and then that didn't happen because you've got just James and I trying to finish a film alone, so it took longer. And the beauty of that was all of a sudden, boom, we get into Fright Fest, boom, we get into Screen Fest, we're in I Fi Horror, which was a godsend because. We get to see it on the big screen. Everybody gets to come and watch it and meet each other. And I'm telling you, they might have not met on the phone or like spoken on Zoom, but the minute we were all in the same room, it's as if every it was like getting back together with your high school buddies, or your college, or your college friends. It was instantaneous. It was, it was wild. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. Yeah, and, cool, and I'm sure, cool. too, you know, when you're talking about, you know, again, you're talking about people shooting it from different parts of the, of the country as well as the world mm-hmm. and getting to see what everybody's different take is on it, even though you're reading the script. Um, mm-hmm. Just seeing that without for me was the curious part, because it's like, you know, it's like, oh, OK, well, I, I lived in New York. So, OK, I got that. And, um, you know, I'm in L.A. OK, I've been to San Diego. So that's interesting. But it's different parts. I was like, oh, I wonder what this takes going to be on this and what what this story is going to be and how it's how it's different. It really mm-hmm. is really is interesting. And getting back to what we were just talking about as far as like shooting it. 
uh, it really this really reminded me of that old school going out and making you know a movie on your own mm-hmm. is it the, the true definition of independent filmmaking because it's like you know you yeah. get 10 people out there you know it's like what Romero did right with the Night of Living Dead yeah. you know let's mm-hmm. go out and let's make a movie and you know there will be eight of us and you're going to do lighting craft service and you know driving people and you're going to be the star you're going to be the grip and you're going to be the you know it's just like yeah and it gets done it's amazing how that can work out <laughs> well, when you back yourself into a corner as you know I think we all do I mean in any sort of anything that we do it's like we figure out how to do it and sometimes it comes out I think you get a lot more creative if you're a creative um, you could be it becomes a lot more creative but again like when you look at the film you don't think about those things but the UK movie you know they didn't like it was just Alex and Kier they had no sound person so what they did was they created a character that was this YouTube girl who shot herself but she mic'd herself up because she's doing it for the show but then she keeps the mic on the rest of the film because, you know, something goes awry. She's not going to take it off because she's in the middle of this heated thing that's happening in the house. But that's how they got the audio. So, you know, there everybody was very creative in, in how they and how they did things. And it's funny that you say, I'm so happy that you said when you saw the, the city names come up, what's going to happen next? Because that's, that's all I wanted. That's all I wanted to have happen. When you saw, OK, what's this map? Where am I going? Boom, New York boom, Berlin. And then you're like, okay, how is this film going to play out? How is this like story about a, a, a virus in the background of these stories of survival? How is that going to play out in this city? That is exactly why I did what I did. And I'm so glad they said, I just, just want to bring that up. That makes oh. me really happy. Oh, that <laughs> makes me happy too. Well, you know, I've yeah. talked enough about making the movie. Let's get into the story, the movie itself. And again, I'm not going to give mm. away spoilers. So, you know, people who haven't seen the movie, don't worry, we're not going to get too deep into this um so so the first (laughs) yeah exactly i say you're not going to give it away either so my first my first thought was um well it wasn't my first thought but when i saw that the the each story had the cities i was curious as to um the decision to not have the story title for each one um but you did put them at the end you showed what story title was for each city um, right. What was the decision behind doing that? I thought it would connect it. I feel like if you were to, I wanted it to feel all as if it was all one film. Now, they all look different because people did shoot on different formats. I allowed them to shoot, you know, um, different aspect aspect ratios. But to me, and to me, I, the reason I did that was because look, <clears throat> you go to different places. Every place looks different. People act different. We've seen different things. So I felt like. You've got the background, the connective tissue's all there, right? We're going to go into this new city. And that's like, as because, you know, the movie starts with that, with that opening card. It sort of sets the, the tone, you know, we're in the future. There's a global pandemic. We're not calling it COVID. It's just a global pandemic that has made everybody self-isolate. And the world is sort of, it's going it, to, it's leaning toward going post-apocalyptic, right? And by saying that, now we're going to go, and it's, I, I now you're asking me and I can't even remember what it says the last line is you know in in these different cities around the world or something it says something like that so you know that sort of sets up okay we're going to be traveling around the world we're going to go to these different cities so you sort of expect it and then you see New York come up and I wanted to like when that movie ended where am I going to go to next where is this what journey is this film going to take me on and I don't think you would have gotten that if you saw the next movie 5G I really felt like it would pull you out of the story and really not it wouldn't have been like it wouldn't have been seamless you wouldn't be leaning in for what the next adventure that you're going to take um, on this journey would be so but at the end obviously you know all the filmmakers had 
names for their films. And I also, again, they worked so hard and did such a I just wanted to give them even more praise. So that sort of at the end was something James and I added later um, that we thought would just kind of be fun for them to see, uh, with, you know, giving the name of the film and, you know, the city that was in and sort of, you know, the directors and the writers. So that was something we just kind of added later. Well, I thought it was a really smart move, and I think it was a wise move because I, you're right. It didn't take you out of the film when you're watching it because that, that can be distracting. Again, anthology mm-hmm. films, you kind of have to, you know, it's it's very different than the actual, you know, doing well, a feature the other film. The thing, too, is like it's repetitive, right? So yeah. you're like, okay, next name, next name, next name. But I felt like when you're watching this, it's not – you're sort of like, okay. You're questioning what city am I going to go to. I feel like it gets you a little bit more excited for each one. You lean in. Oh, oh, maybe you know, maybe oh, I'm, uh, you know, San Diego is pretty cool. But where am I going to go to next? I just yeah. feel like you know, it really brings you in. Where if you to see the next movie, you're like, okay, hey, you want to go grab me a thing of popcorn? I'll be right back. You know. <laughs> and and the thing that I really enjoyed about about it as it was continuing was. You know, we you, you do say, look, there's a global pandemic. Obviously, we know, you know, living through it still, you know, COVID. Mm-hmm. But you don't say that it's COVID, which is which is smart. You We obviously know that it is COVID or a COVID-like thing because we see some of the people who come down with the symptoms of what, what the virus right. is. Um, mm-hmm. But what I really enjoyed about it was that you kind of you kind of make it more about people than the actual mm-hmm. virus and everything exactly. behind it. You don't get into the why it's happening um, mm-hmm. per se, uh, which is great. You get into more of the loneliness people go through, fear, panic, yeah. desperation, and even exactly. just you know survival. And then, of course, you have some you know characters who you are looking into cons- the conspiracy theories of what's going on. And and even then, it's like, <laughs> well, is it conspiracy? Is it not? What's really happening? <laughs> Is it in their minds? Is it really happening? And, um, Mm -hmm. you know, it's really interesting. But again, uh, calling back to Night of the Living Dead, where, you know, they don't explain why the ghouls have have appeared per se. You know, your film doesn't get into that. And and I I wanted to ask, was that a conscious decision to do uh, originally? Or was that something that maybe over time you decided when the scripts are coming in, maybe we don't? No, I was another direction. I was like, guys, let's not talk. I want. I said, look, I, we always want to do this because I wanted to do something we could all remember, you know, sort of during the pandemic. And again, like, there's so much of that film that's going to be a time capsule when you know years from now when people watch it, which is what's so another reason why it's so cool. But I was like, look, let's not mention COVID. Let's not do any of that. The idea is that this virus, whatever this thing is, is like you're saying, it's in the background and it's how it's affecting these people. These stories of like, so it's survival horror, right? So. I think to mention it, like everybody knows, there's no need to say it again. We don't need to beat a dead horse. So I, I didn't. I just wanted that in the background. It sets the tone. You know, everybody around the world gets it, so we don't have to talk about it. You know, and everybody it affects everybody differently. So each story is going to affect everybody differently based on like you know what they went through at that time, and also the filmmakers too. Like a lot of the stories came from fears that they had. When I was like, all right, what are we going to talk about? Like Bobby was scared that something might happen to his kids. You know, there's. You know, Denny, the uh, um, the dread, the third movie in. You know, we spoke about it at great length, and she's like, you know, I don't. I, it's making me. Nervous. What if people come up here and like start breaking into houses, and like, what are we gonna do? Like, there was a real fear in some of those, and there's a real truth behind some of those stories. So, you know, at the end of the day, we didn't. It just sort of it took on a life of its own in, in a way sometimes. So I think I think it was best suited sort of the way it came out. You know. Definitely. Yeah. And like when I look back at the first film, New York, 
um, we have mm. our lead who's narrating this this story. Um, right off the bat, one of the interesting things is that he starts talking about, you know, who came up with the, uh, you know, with the time for how long to wash your hands or how long to quarantine, you know, who came up with these times. Right. Um, and, and to me, that just brings you right in immediately, right? Because it, it turns it into a real world thing as opposed to a, you know, a survival horror film. Right. Well, you know, that's the other thing, too. It's like, there's a, he, you know, and Larry, Larry, that's what I'm saying. Larry's film, Fever, that's the first film, really sets everything up. Like what you're saying. You're saying, it, it, you know, he, you know, it's, it's sort of like, a, it's sort of a little bit of a cheeky film in a way. But like, you know, he's setting up sort of what is this that we have to do? And then all of a sudden, you know, this idea that, you know, we're, we're, we're not, we're all in this together. You know, this is happening to everybody. And if you see in this film, as you probably, if you think back on it, as we move forward in the film, the virus that sort of, that we follow throughout the film, sort of in the background that obviously affects the characters, it mutates every story, every, every film, it mutates more and more and more and more and more. All right. So to the point where at the end, you know, there was this, it can sort of call back to this idea that I remember when people were saying like, you know, the sunlight can kill the virus yep. at one point in, in all this craziness or yes. something like that, you know, I won't give it away, but that's the reason why it's mutated in such a way that that's what, what happens to the people in the second to last film in Homebody is sort of harks back to that idea. And so much of what the filmmakers decided to write about we, a lot of that stuff wasn't happening. There weren't any riots or any, you know, stuff wasn't on fire in L.A., you know, when Denny made her movie. And then I remember her calling me up, and she's like, oh, my God, it's happening. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or, like, there were a lot of times, that, you know, and the same thing with the U.K. Um, story. So a lot of the stuff that the filmmakers had already written and shot sort of came to fruition months and months later. So that was kind of interesting to see. Wow. It's almost a, yeah. it was a prediction of what was to come. Not to like give away like everything that happened. But, yeah. yeah. Well, it was, it was interesting you mentioned L.A. because that yeah when when you see certain things happening, I'm like, oh yeah, I remember that. Yeah, it's, it's weird. It's almost like you're like, oh, you know, some people like, you know, you're thinking about even the five G thing wasn't really a big deal when Andrew was doing it. He just when Cody Goodfellow and him spoke, and Cody is loves conspiracy theories. He just loved them, and I think he was probably going down the rabbit hole on his own. But it wasn't. It wasn't a big deal. And then all of a sudden, you know, I think still people still believe that we have microchips in us. Um, oh, yeah. Do yeah. we? Do we have them? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe yeah. we do. You know, maybe yeah, everybody, exactly. somebody else is listening to this conversation. But, you know, that that stuff was already at the top of their minds already, you know. So... I forget where we're going with that. Oh, yeah. Well, I'll move us along because I really wanted to talk about um, two of the stories, which is uh, getting back to L.A. L.A. and I think it was Chicago. What's really interesting is that they kind of, especially the L.A. one, um, both main characters either say nothing throughout the story or very, very little. And it kind of reminded me of the classic Twilight Zone episode called The Invaders. Um, it's where, uh, yeah, it's where the woman is in a house and she does, it's Agnes Moorhead's the star of the, of the episode and she doesn't speak mm-hmm. at all and she's cleaning her house and living in her house and things are happening in it and there are these like monsters and of course, you know, as only, you know, the Twilight Zone can do, it always, you know, flips it at the end. But yeah. when I saw that, I was like, wow, what a, what a great callback to that. And even, even though I'm sure it was probably wasn't purposeful, um, what a great uh, option uh, creatively as well as making it uh, 
as well as production wise, right? Because now again, like right. like you'd said, you don't have to worry about audio at that point. You could just shoot it. You do it all in post or most of it in post, and and mm-hmm. now you you know you can move on. Right. Yeah. I mean, those those two stories, I think, you know, in and of themselves, are, are very strong in the way that they're told visually. They're very strong, and I think you know they're also, especially the one in Chicago. I mean, that film. That film to me is probably the most poignant one out of all of them because it really, this idea of human touch, and especially at that point when we weren't allowed to see our friends or our parents or anything, this idea that, like, are we ever really going to be able to get back out there without, you know, having to wear these gloves or these masks? When are we able to, like, a hug becomes something so important or, like, brushing up with someone that's so important. I remember James and I got Chicago back. And the fact that there is no dialogue and you have to sit there and think about it and watch this guy as he, like, slowly, I wouldn't say is a descent into madness, but he slowly starts to he unravels even more and more because all he wants is somebody in his, like, he just wants a partner, someone, anyone, you know, um, to, to be there with him. And I think that also the story with, with the dread being alone in that house and having no one to talk to, you know, I, they all they, they they leave themselves to want to have no dialogue, and I think that's what sort of you know I'm sure that's why they built it around there. But they it was like you're saying something like that is purposeful for a reason, and I think you know whether you like those or not in the in the in the anthology, they resonate with a lot of people. And I think we, you know had they added dialogue, I don't think the stories would have been as strong. I agree. Yeah, I think that's yeah. that's that's why it works so well because you could see why mm-hmm. you could see somebody saying, "How can we shoot this?" without getting too bogged down production wise, but how would how right. can we do a two that makes sense and works for the film? And and for both of them it works really, really well. Um to me, you know, the heartbreaking story, the hard one to watch was Seattle because you got the two small children um yeah, living yeah. on their own and and the mom has passed, the dad is out looking for help. Um I mean the kids are great in that. Um, that must have been that must have been pretty intense when you got that script. It was wild. I mean, well, first of all, I was thinking because Bobby's kids are like, oh, I'm going to get this wrong. He's going to tell me, but they're like, I think Bodie's like four and Sonny's like seven or something. They're young. They're really young. Oh yeah. And yeah. you know, being like, I mean, their dad, you know, their dad acts, and you know, he's also a great director. You know, the houses, October built one and two, and yada yada yada. But like, uh, my main thing was are you going to be able to do this with the kids? You know, because Bobby's script was 50 pages. You've seen the movie. It's exactly like the script. There's a lot of action. These kids are doing a lot. I mean, they have to sell that story. And um, I said to him, I said, have they been in anything before? He's like, nah. I'm like, all right, let's see what happens. You know, <laughs> but as Bobby will tell you, um, it was a struggle because his film, and he's, he's going to be upset that he isn't here to, to talk about it, but... Because he made that movie and you saw that it's the lost, like the parents have gone, they're both gone. It's these kids alone. He, he calls it a little harks back to Lord of the Flies, is what he says. Like, what are these, you know, that and sort of that story, that's where it kind of came from. But what Bobby had to do was shoot a completely different ending so the kids could watch it. Where, like, mommy wakes back up again because the daddy comes home and kisses her, and like, there's this lightsaber fight in the woods, and like, something else that has to do with like Harry Potter. He shot all these other scenes. And then, obviously, there's a couple of things in there where, you know, they're seeing dead bodies, 
obviously they weren't in that shot or around that shot. So that's on is replaced with like a lightsaber fight and like all this other wow. stuff. I haven't seen this movie yet, but I think like that probably in and on its own when the, when we get the Blu-ray out with the with the extras, it has to be on there because I'm, it, it, oh, yeah. it, he had to show that to them because I was talking to the kids on the red carpet and they were like, you know, talking about the, the version that they saw and it was not a version that we see in the film. <laughs> oh, those kids are so adorable I'm watching this I'm like oh my gosh I'm, yeah. I'm like can I get through this one this is going to be a tough one because they're just so adorable <laughs> they're so good uh, they really it's it's, it's a really they good one home. yeah they really did um, and I love how um, and again I'm not going to give it away um, I love how Berlin ties everything up and again yeah. you have certain callbacks and things and it was like oh okay I get it and it, it's really well, well done and then the same too and then it Bobby, ends. That's what I love. Right. It's like it's just like boom. Okay, we've told we've told it. Here it is. We're done. And I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. There's no need to. I don't know. I just like let's like you know the, the thing with that too is again like I was telling you before that button that happened at the end was sort of a combination of a lot of things that just happened. Like you know, it was Bobby seeing um, uh, Christian's movie uh, Comfort Zone, which takes place in Berlin is Bobby seeing that film and then he was back at the whale and he saw something at the and he, he shot that scene his this is the last scene of his film and he was like look we gotta tie this together somehow man you know and that's kind of where we came up again with that little that end button with that ends the movie this is like people are listening to be like what is this guy talking about it makes no <laughs> sense you're gonna go watch the film because I can't give it away because it is kind of a fun that's the last thing I'm gonna do is like give away that one little moment yeah. but it, it, it's definitely fun and it's worth it. Yeah, it definitely is. It was one of those things where it's like, oh, it's over. Well, wait. Oh, okay. And then it yeah, ends. You hang and it's in the perfect. Black just a little bit longer, waiting for the tiger light to come up, and then noises start to happen, and then we're back in this place, and you're like, what the hell is going on? Yeah, <laughs> and it, and it's brilliant yeah. how it, the the Berlin story is really brilliant and and sad too mm-hmm. to a certain degree because mm-hmm. obviously what you know, but it, it's it's it, it's it's a perfect is a perfect way to end end the film. Um. So, and that's how it was going to end. It was just going to end like that, you know, because you know those last two shots yeah. are kind of epic, and it still leaves you guessing. You're like, oh, okay, yes, and definitely, like sort of, you know, what those shots say to you. This is so like enigmatic, but you know that that's how it was going to end. And I was like, okay, that's, that's kind of cool. But well, again, we really, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. So then we bring then we bring it down to sort of again the human. We bring it back to really what the movie's all about. Exactly, right? which is people and the, the, the struggle and the struggle to survive and how are we going to do this and I think that that to me I was like oh, once we figured that out and we dialed that in like oh wow okay this really like this is so so satisfying that to me was like that cinched it yeah well I am going to say as I, as I was watching this movie I'm like there are two films that were made during the pandemic that I think would have the pandemic obviously you know everything you know made these films work because of what you had to do but I think mm-hmm. that if they were just made five years ago, um, both films are excellent. It's your film, Isolation, and um, the film Host. I think both movies oh, yeah. have, have – I think both of your movies, um, or I should say both of those movies, um, really, I think, show really talented filmmaking in times of restrictions and trying to make things work. So I think you and, and your all the directors – and the crew and everybody did a hell of a job making this film. It, it really is a satisfying movie. I think it's a really good film, and I think it's going to be one of those movies that will hold over years. Um, which you know, 
Right. I, I really do. I think it's. I think it. I think it's going to be out there for a very long time. Speaking of which, now it is currently available on VOD, but you did mention Blu-ray. Uh, are there plans, or are there any sort of dates that people can look out for uh, Blu-ray digital release? Well, we're working on it right now. I'm working with Gravitas to have a. I mean, you can get a Blu-ray of it now on Prime if you'd like it. Um, but there, we we have. That was one of the other things I told the um, all the filmmakers. I was like, let me add. Um, some more work to your place, you know, you got two people in the movie, but I was like, you guys have to take stills and you have to shoot behind the scenes um, because we're all going to want to know how you did this. So there's so much of it. Larry has, Larry has a great DPS and they all do this. So what I want to, what I'm currently doing right now is sort of putting it all, like truncating it all together for each story, um, putting the, you know, the commentary together. So it's going to be a minute, but we're definitely, definitely going to push through. Cause I think that is, is, is another, is, you know, as even like, you know, it's, horror lovers the bts to us and sort of like you know any of the any any more that we can get is always like you know it's so satisfying so i'm trying to put that together i don't have a date when it's going to happen um but we're i'm working on it well let me know and i'll definitely uh, be happy to put that out there for all listeners of the program Appreciate that. um as yeah. far as social media goes uh where can people follow you or the film so you think everybody can uh, the film you can follow it at you know my my handles on Instagram is I am Crooker or Nathan Crooker on Twitter. Um, it doesn't really have its own homepage, uh, but you know if you look up any of the directors' names, there's there's also a lot of BTS at GhostGangProductions.com, uh, which is uh, my company. Um, and then I think that's about it. It doesn't have its own Instagram and it doesn't have its own Twitter, um, which. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> you know, sometimes... You know what? All I care is I just want people to go watch the film, man. <laughs> exactly. And that's why I wanted to have you on the program. Um, the film is Isolation. It is available on VOD uh, as of November 2nd. And uh, I've been more than happy to keep, uh, keep all of you out there posted as to when this film will be available on digital and Blu-ray. Uh, Nathan, uh, thank you so much for joining me on the program. Uh, I really appreciate it. Best of luck with this film, and uh, I'd love to have you back on the program for your next film as well. I would love to be back, and, and thanks so much for having me. For having me. For having me. For having me. As I put this interview to rest, I want to again thank Nathan for joining me on the program. It was great having him on the show. Uh, I really did enjoy his film quite a bit, and um, man, it, I really recommend that you check this film out. It's really, really well done. Uh, isolation available on VOD and um, once I get word about when it's available on digital and uh, on Blu-ray I will be very happy to pass that information to you as well Um, I mean it is not an easy project to put together Um, you think short films what's the big deal and you heard from Nathan as we were talking about it you know there's a lot of logistics to making a 10 minute movie there's a lot of logistics making a 2 minute movie Um, you know, so, uh, check the film out. Uh, it's really well done and I do not think you're going to be disappointed. And as I begin to close down the graveyard, I wanted to remind you about the month of December. So the month of December is sort of one of those months where I just kind of fade away for a while. Um, and you know, we're all kind of looking at holiday season. So, um, instead of having, um, uh, some guests on the program. What I'm going to be doing is uh, unveiling a new form of year-end show uh, called Voices from the Grave. And Voices from the Grave is going to be an original podcast. 
um, and it's going to be with original material. It's going to be with outtakes from some of the interviews that I've done this year. Uh, one question uh, is actually going to be from this interview that you just heard uh, that I'm holding for that show. Uh, you're going to be hearing um, from some of my guests, David Weiner, Robin Block, Ben Scrivens from uh, Fright Rags, uh, and a few other folks that I had on the program. Um, so these are going to be outtakes from those interviews that did not make it on the original show. They will be, though, uh, included in this upcoming podcast called the Grave Rat Show podcast, Voices from the Grave. Um, and, uh, well, as I did last year, I will uh, include some outtakes of me being a dope as well. Very popular, apparently. <laughs> um, also, uh, Graveyard Show Classic podcast. Uh, I will be uh, uploading uh, in December uh, the second time uh, Professor Christopher Sharrett joined me. Um, his uh first interview that he did on the program is the last one that I uploaded where we talked film criticism. Uh, on that program, we talked about the theory of the other with a capital O. On the next one that I'm going to be uploading, uh, he and I discuss the theory of the couple with a capital C and how the couple relates to the horror film. And we're also going to talk about sexuality in the original Frankenstein, Bride of Frankenstein, Dracula, Nosferatu. And uh, we also talk about Scanners and what the scanners represent as well. So that will be uploaded very soon. A reminder, if you want to reach out to the program, the email address is gyspodcast at gmail.com. gyspodcast at gmail.com. Always look forward to your thoughts and comments. Speaking of which, the YouTube uh, channel has been getting uh, quite a response lately uh, for comments, which I'm very happy to see. Uh, mainly uh, regarding uh, my other program that I have on there that is a YouTube exclusive called Catacombs of Horror, which you can find on the Graveyard Show Podcast's YouTube channel. It is a video uh, production. Uh, there are two episodes up there right now. The first one was What Best Represents 1980s Horror in four different categories, and it's a conversation between myself and the director of In Search of Darkness, uh, David Weiner. Uh, we talk about which uh, what we think best represents each of the four categories. And then the second episode is uh, my discussion about uh, my favorite scenes from the vampire film Count Yorga Vampire. And that's been getting uh, quite a bit of love lately, which I'm very happy to see. Um, I think that film's a very underrated film. And I think it kind of gets lost sometimes out there. So hopefully this will kind of get some of you that haven't seen it to see it. I'm not saying it's a great movie. I'm not saying it's the best film <laughs> by any means. So do not, uh, don't, don't misunderstand that. But I think it's definitely a horror film that deserves a lot uh, more uh, credit and respect than I think that it gets. And Robert Quarry's Count Yorga is just fantastic. But I discussed my favorite scenes from that film. And uh, I invite you to check that out. Again, uh, Catacombs of Horror, which you can find on the Graveyard Show Podcast's YouTube channel. The Graveyard Show Podcast is also available as a podcast, of course, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and everywhere podcasts exist. And of course, if you know anyone who is a fan of horror, please invite them to enter the graveyard. New listeners and friends are always welcome. All right, my friends. Well, that's going to do it for me here uh, in the month of uh, November. For all my friends here in the United States, happy Thanksgiving. Have a great, happy, safe, fun time this year. And um, I look forward to seeing uh, everyone around the world here again in December when Voices from the Grave is uploaded. All right, my friends. Take care. Stay safe. 
And uh, I look forward to seeing you again very soon here inside my graveyard. And of course, as I like to always remind you, as you exit the graveyard, I would like to remind you to please lock the gate behind you. We wouldn't want anyone to get out. Until next time.